This is the Todd and Friends Podcast. I don't like to waffle on predictions. That doesn't mean I always hope I'm right. Oh, what's he going to do? <laughs> oh, come on. I'm with you. So, uh, thank I, you. Yeah, I'm with you. Todd, I knew we'd agree <laughs> on something here. From the KWLM Sports Studio. With thanks to Heritage Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Here's Todd Bergath. Hey, thanks for joining us for the podcast once again today on these Tuesdays during the NBA season. The voice of the Minnesota Timberwolves, Alan Horton, joins us. And Alan, boy, that was three good games right in a row in California against, uh, well, two out of three were quality opponents. I'm calling the Clippers and Kings. Uh, well, I, I, gosh, the Lakers have Anthony Davis, who was a monster during that game as well. Yeah. But, boy, they played really well, the Timberwolves did. Well, you think about where this team was just a week ago, but going into that Clipper game, they had lost three in a row. Mm-hmm. They had dropped um, you know, deeper into the play-in, um, actually looking more at falling out of the four play-in spots than getting ahead of those four playoff spots. And how quickly things can turn in a week. And now you're heading into a showdown with Philadelphia, having won three in a row. You've jumped out of the play-in. You're up to the sixth spot. Um, and you're feeling pretty good about things. And it's, you know, it's interesting because I get asked a lot, Todd, about, you know, were the players worried at all? Or what was the spark that turned things around? And it's, you know, the players, they look at it at such a, they're, they're so involved in it that, and I, and I get both parts of it, the way fans see it and the way players see it. Mm-hmm. Players are involved in the micro, right? They're, they're, they're going to practice. They, it's a routine. They're focusing for the next game. They go through their scouting reports. They go through, um, you know, watching film, all the things they do to prepare for a game. And, and they see the long view. It's 82 games, and then they see where they are. Um, the, the fans kind of look at things and go, man, that was a bad loss to, say, Charlotte or Washington or they've lost three in a row and they're in danger of dropping out of the play-in. Um, and we start to – I see both of these points of view. Um, it, it's just interesting how the players don't kind of look at it like that. They look at it a little bit differently than fans do, which is fine. It's just a, there's a difference there between, um, between the way two sides – you can look at things. I think fans take losses a lot harder and they celebrate wins a lot more than the Absolutely. players themselves, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And they read too much into an individual game. If someone has a great game, you know, all praise to them. Um, although let's keep it in the, you know, the larger perspective of, of can that player now sustain it? Can they be good for an entire season? That's, that's the way careers are made of. And that's what winning teams are made of. If you can do it over the long haul. So you're right. There's way too much. Um, there's way too much blame in losses and uh, feeling like the sky is falling. And then after wins and three straight wins, um, you're feeling all good and feeling high. And that's, I mean, that's why the the, the cliche comes up of um, you never get too high or too low. You know, you want you want to stay right in the middle so that you don't because um, it's exhausting going through these. The, the wolf season has been exhausting. Mm. Um, I'm going to post something here this afternoon, like on Twitter, that mm-hmm. that that shows how crazy this season has been. You win four out of six, but then you lose six out of seven. This is to start the year. Then you win three in a row. Then you lose four straight. Then you win five in a row. I mean, it goes on for like 12 different runs mm-hmm. that the Timberwolves have had this year. And if you lived and died by every win, guess what? You'd be dead by now because you, you just can't take all those ups and downs. So <laughs> you take that even keel approach, and that's what the Wolves have done. They didn't panic when they lost three in a row and the season's winding down. You only got 18, 19 games left. Um, there was no real spark that, that triggered this 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 three-game winning streak. But I will say that the Timberwolves have played pretty well um, over this stretch, and it's, it's not a coincidence that I think Mike Conley and Nikhil Alexander-Walker, the two additions since the trade deadline, um, are, are asserting themselves and feeling comfortable, I think, within their new environment, and, um, and everyone seems to be thriving. 
you know, I follow the NBA. I'm a good fan. I watch, watch a lot of Timberwolves. I'm not as uh, connected to it, obviously, as yourself and, and uh, plenty of others. But I, I got to be honest, I hadn't really, I didn't really know much about Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Uh, yeah. and, but, boy, I've, I've enjoyed watching him. He's a live wire body out there. He's he's long. He's lean. He can shoot the three. Um, he's really Todd. Never just got a chance to be a regular part of the rotation. I think. I mean, mm-hmm. he's a guy that got traded a couple of times on draft day. Ended up in New Orleans, um, but he was kind of in a log jam there in their in their in their guard and wing positions. Um, and then he got traded to Portland a year ago at the trade deadline. Then quickly shipped off to to Utah uh, without ever playing a game in Portland. Um, and then in and then in Utah, he didn't really wasn't a part of their rotation. And I, you know, it's in, it's interesting to think of whether or not the Timberwolves, you know, really fought hard to make sure he was a part of that deal. Chris Finch is familiar with Nikhil. He, Chris Finch was an assistant coach in New Orleans when uh, Alexander Walker came into the NBA. Hmm. Um, so it's it they you know they knew of something they were getting back, but Nikhil Alexander Walker was basically a salary filler. And there are a couple of different players that would have fit the mold um, to be a, to, to be a part of that trade, at least salary wise. But I think the Wolves are certainly glad that they that they got Nikhil Alexander Walker instead of you know whoever else it might have been. No doubt. How is he as a defender? He's good. Mm-hmm. He's good, and, and that's what makes uh, I think his addition so great is it gives Chris Finch a lot of options. Uh, maybe we didn't see it in the Sacramento game because that was a completely offensive game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just offense is just dominating. The Wolves shot 60%. Sacramento shot like 50-plus percent in that game, too. But, you know, the prior two games, the Wolves' defense had really carried the way against the Lakers and Clippers. And, and Nikhil Alexander-Walker was a big part of that. Um, he's another wing defender. You know, he, he Austin Rivers, Torian Prince, uh, you, you add that to what Jaden McDaniels and Anthony Edwards can provide, you've got a lot of options. You yeah. can throw some pretty defensive lineups out there. Um and guess you know this scoring is what this league is about. It's what it's become. And so if you can't stop guys from scoring, you, uh, you have to outscore them. And Timberwolves really aren't built that way. So they they have options uh, defensively, which is nice. Uh, a multiple time champion and one of the stars uh, of the game. Uh... For the uh, Clippers, uh, got the ball uh, in his hands. His name is escaping me now. Won the title with Toronto and, and San Antonio. Oh, Kawhi. Yeah, Kawhi. He has the ball at the end, a huge possession uh, at the end of that game with the Clippers. Jaden McDaniels goes out and shuts him down like he's in ninth grade, uh, forces him to give the ball up. That showed what, how good McDaniels can be as an on-ball defender. There was nowhere for, nowhere for Kawhi Leonard to go. Stepped up, and um, I feel like a little bit of momentum is building towards maybe one of the all defensive teams. Mm-hmm. Um, I unfortunately, I still think it's a long shot. I think he certainly deserves it, but it's the kind of thing where I don't know if he's got the national reputation yet. It's starting to come because people are realizing it, and he's starting to do it on a pretty big stage against. Like, I mean, every night he's guarding the other team's best player. I mean, you know, it, and sometimes it's not always. I would say, you know, Darren, Darren Fox the other night for Sacramento was on such a hot streak. He had scored uh, 30 or more in eight straight games. He's been shooting close to 60%. It's been incredible. And, you know, the Wolves held him to under 50% shooting, held the 25 points. That's actually a great defensive effort. I mean, that's what we are in this league with some of these offensive players. If you can just hold someone like Darren Fox to 25, that's a huge win because normally he's averaging close to 30 and uh, on a good night, he'll get you 35 or 40 and get you all the assists. And, uh, but if you can make them inefficient, you can hold their point total a little bit down, you can force some turnovers. That's, that's the name of the game right now. And Jaden provides that. 
whether he's guarding Luka Doncic, whether he's guarding Kyrie Irving. I uh, don't mean to pick all Dallas Mavericks here, but just pick the best player, wing player from any team. And, and Jaden's got the assignment, and he'll be on James Harden tonight, who may not be the score, the one-dimensional score that he was in Houston, but that dude is still pretty good, still pretty crafty. And um, Jaden, I think, is up for the challenge. Just talked to him yesterday, and he's just, you know, he, I, I love his demeanor. It's just um, not a lot of smiling. That doesn't look like there's a lot of enjoyment out there, but uh, he's having fun, and I think he's embracing um, this role, which also includes a little bit more scoring of late, because when you traded, uh, you know, Mike Conley for for D'Angelo Russell, guess what? There are five more shot attempts per game on average, um, with Mike Conley taking nine shots a game and D'Lo up around fourteen, fifteen shots a game, and so that now gets distributed around. And it's not a surprise that Jaden McDaniels is getting more of an opportunity. He's more involved in the offense. Um, and I, I asked him how that was yesterday. And, you know, he's he's like, it's fun. <laughs> so I'm like, well, I'm glad you're having fun. Yeah, um, but he just calm, cool, and collected. And tonight he gets to uh, match up with against his brother too, who got traded from Charlotte to Philadelphia at the trade deadline. So oh. McDaniel's v McDaniel's tonight. Interesting. That'll be uh, interesting for their parents to watch that. Certainly. Hey, uh, how about Joel? It's easier and- to watch when they're playing in one game. You don't have to keep track of two different games at the same time. Yeah, that's right. Hey, uh, Joel Embiid uh, making a case for MVP this year. He's having a terrific year. God, he is. He's just, uh, he's a monster. He's he's just so good. And he's got such good touch and he's been able to stay relatively healthy. And, um, you know, I still think I'm still the biggest Nikola Jokic fan in that matchup between Embiid and and Jokic. I just think, um, I think Jokic is just incredible and playing the game at such a high level. Um, and he's the number one team in the Western conference. I know the media would love not to give it to Jokic for a third straight year. Um, I know there's an East Coast bias. It exists. Uh, they'd love to give it to Embiid, and, and they still might. They still might. I mean, there's there's five weeks left in the season um, starting yesterday, and, you know, there's a chance for Embiid to really finish the season strong. But regardless of who wins it, those two guys are elite when it comes to uh, big men. Uh, Brooklyn Nets, they're in full tank mode now, aren't they? Well, no, I don't think that they are because I don't think they own their first-round pick, and ah. that's been traded away. So, um, you know, they're they're giving Mikel Bridges, who came over from in the Kevin Durant trade, um, they're giving him an opportunity to kind of be the number one guy there. And, they, and they've got you know Cam Johnson for a while there was scoring forty plus games, uh, forty plus points a night. They went into Boston and thumped the Celtics on on Friday night. So this Nets team is still right right in the thick of. I mean. A lot of their success came with obviously with Kevin Durant uh, and Kyrie Irving on their roster earlier in the year, but they're still you know they're still top six right now as we speak. I, I don't know if they finish there, but they're going to have a say. Um, they're going to finish in either the play-in or the top six, and and they're going to have a say in things. Ben Simmons, what's going on there? I mean, he just isn't himself. He he, has, he hasn't gotten back to where he was at one point with the Sixers. I, yeah, I don't even. I, I've yet to look at the Nets yet, and I, I'm not sure where he is and how much, you know, what kind of player he is still is, and what he thinks. It's, mm-hmm. um, you know, you never like to see that too. Yeah. Someone who, um, you know, if, I just wonder if you know his time with Philadelphia, if they if they had handled things a little differently at the end of the postseason. I guess it was two years ago, right, where he passed up the shot under mm-hmm. the basket. He's, you know, and then the. the you know, Embiid says what he says. Doc Rivers says what he says. Kind of questioning Simmons' reluctance to shoot the basketball and confidence. Um, you know, I wonder if things may have turned out differently. I mean, 
I, I think we're probably in a different place even two years later in terms of mental health. And, and, and there's no doubt that I think uh, Simmons is suffering or has suffered from some of that. And, um, you know, you just root for the best for guys. I don't know Ben Simmons at all, but mm-hmm. um, he's got tremendous talent at six foot ten, and he, there's no doubt he was he was playing in a max level guy uh, just a few years ago, and, and uh, he just hasn't been able to get back to that level. Alan, thanks so much. You got it, Todd. Uh, Todd and Friends podcast is brought to you by Heritage Bank, member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Watch for future episodes of the Todd and Friends podcast at kwlm.com or on the air here at KWLM, 1340 AM and 96.3 FM.